So let's talk about how the University of California decides whom to accept. Hey there, my name is Lily and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. This episode of Mindful Admissions is a recording of our first live, meaning in-person, real-life, no Zoom involved, presentation in over a year and a half. Uh, Josephine visited the Newport Beach Public Library a few weeks ago to talk about the UC application, how it's structured, what every section involves, and how students should fill it out in order to make a successful application. Josephine had a lot of fun, and honestly, doing this episode made me really happy too, since I got to hear one of our counselors kind of getting back into the swing of a real-life presentation, like a real laser pointer and paper notes. (laughs) Because there was some audience participation and we don't have very clear audio of that, you'll hear me cut in a few times in this episode to clarify what audience members have asked or contributed. All right, I think that about covers it. Let's go to Josephine. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming today. Um, Thank you for being here and wanting to learn about the UC application. Um, I have to confess, this is my first um, presentation not on Zoom in like two years. So if I mess up or drop my papers or don't know how this thing works, um, please excuse me. Uh, It's definitely different to be here in person, but it's also really exciting to see you all in 3D. Um, We've done some workshops over the last half year with the library, and it's really cool to be here with you all tonight. So I want to ask some questions first so that I can understand um, who's in the room, who I'm speaking with. So um, who here is a senior? Okay, good. Okay, great. This is a workshop for you guys. So you're in the right place. Uh, Is anyone here a junior or sophomore? Wow, very nice. Awesome. So you will learn a lot about what you need to do next year. Um, Okay, and then what about schools? Um, Do you want to shout out some schools that you guys go to? Like, where do you guys go to high school? Estancia. Estancia, cool. Anyone else? We have Costa Mesa High, CDM, Newport Harbor, Harbor. Okay, cool. Any other schools? My daughter, she goes to Newport Christian. Newport Christian, cool. Orange County School there. Awesome. OSHA, we have a lot of different people here. That's really cool. Um, Well, I've had students from all of these high schools. So um, if you have any specific questions to your high school that you want to ask me at the end, we do have a whole Q&A at the end where you can ask me specific questions about your application, about your school, and things like that. And I should be able to answer those. So yeah. Um, Okay. so who here has started their UC application? Okay. And who has encountered at least one confusing thing on the application? Okay, awesome. Well, hopefully that we will fix that tonight by talking through the application and how you can really put your best foot forward. So we're really here to talk about that. Um, And more importantly, how you can really have them know what wonderful students you are and how accomplished you are. Some of you might think that you don't have anything special to put on that application, but I'm here to tell you that that's not true. Every single one of you would be a great addition to UC campus, and I'll help you figure out how to really show your individuality on this application. Okay, so my name is Josephine Borman. Um, I'm a college admissions consultant, so that means I help students um, 
apply to college and figure all that out. I've been helping students as a tutor, a test prep expert, um, and with college applications since I was 18, just kind of slowly growing into the field more and more. Um, and what used to be a way to just kind of pay for my education soon turned into a passion, and I realized that I really love just working with students, mentoring them, and helping them understand um, and see themselves in the way that I do as really interesting and competent young adults. So I really like um, to have adventures, like I just went canyoneering for Halloween, which is why I'm wearing a onesie, but you can't see that because of the lighting, um, and going backpacking with my cat, weirdly, um, <laughs> or my fiance and dog. Um, so in 2013, since I like adventure and I like trying new things, I thought, you know, why not try to make this bigger than myself? So I ended up founding Strive to Learn, um, a tutoring, test prep, and college consulting company to better serve students in the pursuit of an education, and built a team of really empathetic mentors who help students with anything from time management and study skills to calculus um, to college and career exploration. So another thing about me is that I'm from Germany, born and raised. So I'm used to education being completely free. So I kind of struggled with starting a business that only supports and mentors students whose families can afford our services. So I built a large uh, not-for-profit or pro bono aspect into our company mission. So I just wanted to share that mission with you. Um, there are a lot of cool partnerships that have come out of it. Um, just like this one, being able to be here with you guys and share our knowledge with you um, is really exciting because we really want to bring our knowledge and help to the entire community, not just a slice of it. One of the ways that we do that is that we have a podcast. Um, we will send these slides out, but if you like podcasts, scan the QR code. Um, and that way you can listen to more things like how to write your activities resume, all these kinds of fun things. Um, we also have a blog where we always put out new and exciting things. And then lastly, we have a newsletter. And I think the newsletter is almost the most important part because the newsletter will always tell you when there's a new blog post out, when there are application deadlines coming up, um, if there's a giant change, like when the UCs drop the SAT and ACT scores, things like that. So just be on the lookout for it. Um, and I really encourage you to sign up for the newsletter because that's our way to get the word out about new things um, that are happening in the application world. Um, now, we're all here to talk about the UC applications. Let me start talking about the UC application. Uh, some of you guys may have heard some scary statistics about rising applicant rates and dropping admission rates. Um, so let's start by taking a look at the numbers from the incoming class of fall 2021. Uh, so for fall 2021, the University of California, the whole system, so if you take all of them together, admitted a total of 134,000 students, and 80, about 84,000 of those were from California, um, which we can see over here. Um, so the, that's the 84,000. So you can see they've admitted more students every year and have had um, an, in, an increase of like 13,000 from only two years ago. Right? So they are admitting more students, they're trying to make space for more students, but they're also trying to not have only class size of 500 students, right? Um, so trying to find a balance there. We can also see that the proportion of admitted California freshmen from underrepresented groups has been increasing bit by bit. It's, it looks like a huge increase. It's actually like a 1% increase from last year, um, but the way they drew the graph, but it's still really good to see that um, you know, any kind of student can 
have access to UC application and admission. Um, if we take a look at the different UC campuses um, and kind of what they looked like during the um, um, different years, sorry, I'm trying to figure out this pointer thing. Does it work? It works. Okay, great. Again, haven't done this in like two years. Um, so we can see if we look over here under the 2021 admitted, um, we want to compare those to the 2020 admitted. So this percentage row to this one. And we can see that some of them dropped in percent admitted, right? We have some scary numbers like Berkeley dropped from 17 to 15, um, UCLA from 14 to 11, very scary number. Um, so currently, According to these numbers, UCLA is the most competitive. But we also have some good news. We have Riverside that stayed the same. They have a lot of opportunities. We have Merced that increased their acceptance rate. And then we also have Irvine that stayed about the same and Davis that actually increased the acceptance rate as well. So UC Davis got less intense. So these are also just numbers, right? We're just looking at acceptance rates. Acceptance rates aren't a future prediction. It's a way for us to look back at what happened in previous years, right? You can see that some of them dropped and came back up, things like that. So it doesn't mean that this is a linear trend that's gonna continue in that direction. It just means that that's what happened from last year to this year and you guys are applying for next year. So we will see what happens, right? There are a lot of unknowns. Um, so let's talk about how the University of California decides whom to accept. Um, okay, so different campuses have slightly different approaches. First off, each campus reviews your application on its own. So the campuses, they don't communicate to each other. You know, UC Irvine isn't gonna say, oh, I'm not gonna let you in because I know you already got into Riverside. They don't know that, they don't talk to each other. It will not affect you at all, whether you get into one, um, will you get into the other? Not a problem, you're gonna to be totally fine because they don't talk to each other about that. Um, so although they are the University of California system, each one of them is an individual entity with an individual admissions team and individual processes. So they have this decentralized approach. Also, your application is usually read at least two times in its entirety by professionally trained readers. So when people ask, you know, do they actually spend any time on my application? Does the same person read the whole thing? Yes, the same person reads the whole thing. And it's usually re read as, at least twice. Um, and when they read it, they analyze it for 13 main criteria that were established by the UC faculty from all UCs. Um, and each of the UCs uses this 13, these 13 comprehensive review factors. So we're gonna talk about them a lot today because they're analyzing your application to see how are you doing on those 13 factors and you know what is your version of those. So some of them weigh all the factors um, the same way, while others may weigh some factors more heavily than other factors. So some might weigh your academics a little more heavily than your extracurriculars, right? So it can also change year to year how they take a look at that. And there are three main approaches that we can say the UCs have. There's fixed weight, holistic and hybrid. And this is actually a slide from the University of California. I stole it, I did not make it. Um, so this is how they portray it about themselves. So we have our fixed weight. Um, that is a, when they place a numerical value on a criterion, right? Then we have our holistic, which it says qualitative. So no numerical values or weights placed on any of the 13 factors or 13 criteria. And then some of the UCs use a hybrid where part of it, they might assign a numerical value, a quantitative measure, and 
the other part, they'll look at it qualitatively. So which UCs do what? Riverside is the only one that uses a fixed weight approach, um, especially focusing more on academics. Um, Riverside, however, is working towards a hybrid or holistic approach in the next two years, um, is what they just announced in fall. So that's exciting too. Um, most of the UCs do the holistic approach, Berkeley, Davis, Irvine, LA, San Diego, and Santa Barbara, and then Merced and Santa Cruz are the ones that do the hybrid approach. So all of them are looking at the 13 factors, but some of them weigh them a little bit differently. Let's take a look at the 13 factors and what they are. So we have academic factors versus non-academic factors. Um, okay, we have your GPA, right? GPA is important. Now the UCs take the 10th and 11th grade grades into the GPA. They calculate their own GPA off of you putting your transcript into that application. So they will not calculate your ninth grade or your 12th grade into the GPA. There's nothing you can do about that. And they will take up to eight honors or AP classes to put weighted into the GPA. This all happens automatically on your application. You don't have to do anything except type in your courses and it'll calculate it for you. So that's what they mean when they say grade point average. But they look at a lot of other things when it comes to your transcript. And that's why there are so many factors under the academic. Um, they look at your performance and number in number of courses beyond the minimum A through G requirements. The minimum A through G requirements is probably less than any of you do in school. You're probably advised by your school counselors to take some electives, to do some fun stuff, um, to challenge yourself in some coursework. I'm sure you're not all just doing the minimum. So the UCs love seeing, you know, what other classes did you take beyond the minimum A through G requirements? Can I see any interests or curiosities? Can I see that you're challenging yourself? Things like that. They also take a look at whether or not you're in honors and advanced courses. Um, so have you taken advantage of APs at your school or honors classes um, or not, right? They also look at the eligibility in the local context, which means that the top 9% of students from your school will have a guaranteed spot at a UC, but it may not be their first choice UC. So that is something that, again, the UC application will then tell you if you are qualifying for ELC or not. I think you can also ask your school counseling office. That's what that whole thing, eligibility in the local context means. Um, they also take a look at the academic opportunities that you've had in school and that you've taken advantage of, um, and whether or not you've had any outstanding performance in one or more academic subject areas. So maybe, you know, Spanish isn't the greatest thing for you, but you really love biology and chemistry and have excelled in those classes. So they take a look at that as a factor. So you can see they're not just looking at grades, they're really trying to understand the nuances of your transcript. Um, they also really want to look at grade trends. So do you have, like, if your grades dipped, did you work hard to bring it up and can we see that on your transcript? Is there an upwards trend, an upwards movement of your grade trends? So that's another thing that's really important. Um, I know I didn't really care about college that much when I was a freshman. Wasn't necessarily thinking that my grades would matter that much. Um, and so, you know, it was great to show an upwards trend in my sophomore, junior, and senior year grades. So that's the kind of things they're looking for. As far as non-academic, they want to know, did you have any achievements in any special projects? Do you have any special talents, um, awards, achievements, extracurriculars, things that you're involved in, that you're curious about, uh, that you have a passion for? Because you're not just going to class at a UC. You're entering a community 
and they want to make sure you're a great fit for the community, which is why they have so many non-academic um, aspects of the 13-factor review. And they also take a look at whether you've participated in any educational preparation programs, whether you have any academic accomplishments in light of life experiences, um, and the location of your secondary school and residence. So they do try to really look at you in the context of where you're from and which opportunities you've had. If your school doesn't offer any APs, they're not going to penalize you for not having taken any APs, right? Um, versus if your school offers 20 APs and you've not taken one, they might say, oh, okay. Um, interesting, like, I wonder why they didn't take one. So that's kind of what they look at. They really try to understand the context of your school, the context of your life, of the location you're in. You know, are you from a very rural location or are you from a more suburban location like we are here? Um, now notice I did not mention the SAT or the ACT anywhere in the 13 factors. Uh, does anyone know why that is? Kind of gave it away at the beginning, but... Exactly. They are not doing it anymore. Um, they are not test optional. They are test free. Test free means that you can send your score there a hundred times and inundate them with paperwork. They will not look at your scores. They will not factor it into admissions. So even if you took the SAT or ACT and are using it for other universities, the UCs are not factoring them in at all. The only thing that they might use it for is to see which like English level, for example, that you would place in, things like that. That would be after you've already enrolled. It has nothing to do with admissions or your admissions decision. Yeah? Okay, so, so let's talk about how to get started on your UC application. So how do you show the admissions team your own version of the 13 factors, right? Let's go over each section of the application and discuss what you can show where and how you avoid wasting your real estate, basically. So to get started, you go to this wonderful link, or you just Google how to apply, like, apply to UC and you will find it. Um, I have some general tips that I kind of want to start with. So first of all, when you're starting your app, you should have your household income information ready and you should have a transcript. And you can get that transcript from your counselor at school. Now you don't need to have it just to start the app and open it. Um, you can save it along the way. So you can save the app anytime and come back to it later. Um, don't try to fill it all out at once. It's, it would be crazy. Um, so just click save and continue whenever you take a break. Um, I also really highly recommend writing your personal inside question responses as well as your activities list in Word or Google Docs before entering them into the app. So go through several drafts, right? Once you like your essays, have some other people read over it. Make sure they're really polished. We're going to talk about that more um, in the second half of this presentation. We're going to go very in-depth on how to write the PIQ responses. Um, Whenever you get stuck on the app, click the help button in the top right corner and a menu will appear with frequently asked questions um, and instructions for the specific section you're on. It's really, really helpful because you might be on a page and wonder like, what is this question asking me? And you click on that help button in the top right and they will explain exactly what it is. Okay, let's take a look at the application sections. These are the sections. So we have seven sections about you, campuses and majors, academic history, test scores, activities and awards, scholarships and programs, and personal insight. So we're going to go through every single part of the application right now and learn a little bit about what they are expecting in each section. In the About You section, it's your, your, your address, what school you go to, your 
your parents, what are their names, where did they graduate from, all that kind of stuff. So very simple stuff, shouldn't take you too long, but you will have to ask your parents for some of it. Now it's really important, I'm not gonna go through every single one of these, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I would fall asleep and so would you. Um, but one thing I really wanna point out is this one, your household. That one's really important, definitely grab one of your parents for that one when you're filling it out because if you, it's really important to get the household income correct in that field. You will enter the household income, make sure it's the gross income before taxes. Um, and you want to get your household size accurately, so how many dependents are listed on your parents' tax return. That's really important because if you are under a th certain threshold of household income plus family size, then you can get up to four fee waivers. Each UC application costs $70 to send out to any school, right? So if you apply to three schools, you're spending $210 on your UC applications. But if your household income is below a certain threshold and the size of your household um, together with that puts you in the fee waiver territory, filling that section out correctly can get you those um, four free applications basically. So you're so, so saving yourself like 280 bucks, which is great. If you apply to more than four, you do have to pay the $70 per school after that. Um, okay. So that section is really important. Now, this part is also important. It's also in the About You section. Um, if you identify as undocumented or DACA, and you know that um, that is your status, then the UC system recommends not putting your actual place of birth where you were born as your citizenship, but instead just saying no selection under country. Um, this is in the help menu on the UC app for that section, but if you know anyone who's undocumented who's worried about their status or if this applies to you, just know that you should put no selection um, and that way DACA status students, um, yeah, can, can move forward with all of that. Um, okay, let's talk about the next section, campuses and majors. So campuses and majors looks like this, it has these five sub things. Um, once you've filled out the about you portion, you get to choose your campus, right? Because you're not gonna apply to, well, maybe you're going to apply to all of them. I don't recommend it. Each one is very different. Uh, see if you can visit them, at least do virtual visits um, or anything like that so that you know which ones are the better fit for you and apply to those. Um, and in this section is actually where they'll let you know whether or not you qualified for that fee waiver that I was just talking about where you would get four application fees waived. Um, so that's what this would look like. It is very tiny up there. <laughs> All right, so this map is where you can select which UCs you want to apply to. And then over here it says, you've qualified for a UC application fee waiver for four campuses. So if you got a fee waiver, this is the page that it would be on. So in that second section under campuses and major selection. Um, okay, so for each campus that you select, you then get to choose a major. Um, I went ahead and I selected all campuses, as if I'm applying to all of them on this one, um, just to show you what it looks like for each of them. So you can see that all campuses offer a alternate, alternate major, which is your second choice major, except Berkeley. Berkeley does not offer alternate majors. So for Berkeley, you have to just choose your major and apply for that. But for all of the other UCs, you choose your first choice major, and then you should also choose an alternate major. That is my recommendation. Um, let's talk about you know, how to choose that major um, and, and what to put. 
So, like I said, definitely choose an alternate major. Here's an example from UC Davis. Let's say you really want to go into mechanical engineering, so that's your first choice major, is mechanical engineering. Um, so you should put that first, right? We definitely want it there. Um, now, for Davis, if you chose mechanical engineering as a major, you may not want to choose your second choice chemical engineering, maybe, as your alternate major because it's also housed in the College of Engineering. Unless you know for sure engineering is the only thing you want to do, then go ahead. But if you're kind of open to pursuing the sciences outside of the engineering department, then you might want to choose something like uh, chemical physics, which is actually housed in the College of Letters and Science. So that's just a little recommendation because if you're not getting into the engineering um, program for mechanical, you're probably also not getting in for chemical. Um, from everything that I have heard, unless that year they have something really specific where they're looking specifically only for chemical engineering students, but that is not something that you would ever know or be able to find out. So that would be my recommendation if you know, man, I really love UC Davis. I'm also not 100% sure about engineering. Like if I get in, I want to do it, but if I don't, I would be open to pursuing more of a scientific than an engineering route. Um, that is something to think about, applying to two different colleges instead of applying to two majors within the same college. Um, okay, also, don't apply for a major you don't want to major in. I know so many students who are like, oh man, I want to study business and, and I want to do it at UCSB. And I'm like, well, they don't have business. And they're like, um, well, maybe I'll just like try to finagle it with economics and communications. Well, at UCSB economics is highly mathy, very math heavy, and communications is very theoretical. So you're you're not getting the like businessy approach from communications that you might think, and you're not really getting it from economics either. So you are highly likely to transfer out after a year or two, thinking, man, business really is what I want to do, right? Now, also don't just have your major. Um, determine where you want to go, really look at overall fit, um, but just do know if you're one of those students who's always known this is what I want to do and I definitely want to do it, then don't sell yourself short. Look at other UC campuses because every single one of them has so much to offer and if you want to study business, you know, don't go to UC that doesn't offer business. Um, so really, really educate yourself and really research the opportunities that UC provides you with. So that's just very, very important. When you are on that screen with all of those majors, don't just read through it. If you see one that's exciting to you, look on their website at it. Go to that department website and actually read through the major. Read through which courses you would be taking, things like that. It's really important so that you can really get that sense of like, what is this even about? And it, is this a good fit for me? Because there might be some majors that have weird names where you're like, oh, I'm gonna check out what this even is. And you might find some little gold nuggets in there, things you wouldn't have otherwise considered. Okay, also, if you're not sure yet about your major, you can apply undeclared. I highly recommend it. So don't hesitate to select undeclared. There really are no drawbacks. A lot of students select undeclared and it does not diminish your chances of getting in at all. But the only caveat to that is if you want to go into, if you know for sure you want to go into a really competitive program, like let's just go back to the engineering example, then don't apply undeclared if you know you want engineering because it will be very hard to transfer into engineering once you're there if you didn't come into engineering. But what you can do is apply undeclared into engineering. So this is one of the examples. Um, 
where the undeclared is actually within the College of Engineering. So undeclared majors are hidden in that majors list. Sometimes they're inside this. This is a drop-down menu from the College of Engineering. And other times, they're their own thing. So you can see here we have all these different colleges and schools up here. And then undeclared majors are actually their own little subsection here. So it's different for each UC. And sometimes you just have to dig through that list a little bit. So just take your time with those. OK, let's talk about the academic history section. Um, this will be the bane of your existence for about 30 to 50 minutes. But when you're done, you're done with it. Um, you may have to run to your counselor and ask some questions. It happens all the time. This is why you need your transcript, because they ask you a lot of questions about your um, academic history. Do not do it from memory. Yeah? Um, you can see they start by asking you about seventh and eighth grade. Then they go into high school, all the years of high school. Then they ask if you ever took a college class. Some students may have, others didn't. Um, you have to list that here, and then they give you room for additional information. So why do they ask you for seventh and eighth grade? Some students take math one, algebra one, um, which are high school level courses in eighth grade, or Spanish one. They might take a foreign language first year in eighth grade, right? And since those are high school courses, you would want to report them on here. But if you don't, didn't do that, then you don't have to worry about that section. You can just say, nope, didn't take any high school level courses in that time. So most students don't need to report any courses, but some students got a head start with math or foreign language. So that's why the seventh and eighth grade section is right here. We also have the academic history section. Um, so in this part, they start talking about your school. So you're going to want to select what is the grading system of your school. So if your transcript says, a, B, C, make sure to choose A, B, C, D, E, A, B, C, D, F. Um, some students are like, oh, but shouldn't I choose the other one? Shouldn't I choose um, this guy here, 0 to 100? Because on my school loop, it says I got 78% you know, on this class. Now, look at your transcript. If your transcript has letter grades, go for that. Most of you are also going to have semesters. Um, very rarely do I see a quarter system or a full year system. So you're probably going to end up choosing semester system. All right, now let's go into how to enter your courses in grade. Um, are we still awake? Are we still awake? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's harder when you can't follow along on a computer with the actual app and you just have to look at this. But you will get the slides. Um, we'll send them out to you guys um, soon, hopefully. Danielle knows in a couple of days. Um, OK, so let me just show you kind of how this works. Um, you can see once you add a school, I just chose to add Newport Harbor for kicks. Um, once you add it in there, tell them your grading system and semester. It tells you here, I don't know why this is so hard to read, um, enter your grades. Yeah, Enter courses and grades is what that button says. Um, so once you enter your courses and grades, um, once you hit that button, you get this. So you get a little drop-down menu. Um, and you have here the type. And underneath it, it will say ninth grade math, ninth grade English. So you have a little drop-down for each type. And then you just choose your courses from there. Um, so on this one, maybe you took modern world history, geography in, in ninth grade. And maybe in the first semester, you had an A. And in the second semester, you had a B. So this is how you want to write it down. Now, one of the things that you should really watch out for is over here, you see an H. That means non-honors. Now, what if you took an honors course? And it was also called this, but you can't find it in this list where it says honors type. 
Those are the questions you need to bring to your school counselor. Now, it should be in that list with the correct designation of honors or AP or IB or regular. So if you're unsure and if it doesn't quite seem to match up with your transcript, make a note and write down all the questions you have, make an appointment with your counselor and go through all the questions. Don't just email them one question at a time and with, in the end you'll have 20 little emails um, and they, you know, get inundated at this time of year with all those. Um, so pool your questions, go ask them, and then you'll know. Um, now, they might, there might be an actual issue in there because this is the articulation between your school and the UCs, but sometimes um, you just, that one just isn't in there and your counselor might tell you, I don't see, click on this bottom thing, whoops, sorry, technology again. Um, click on this, I don't see my courses, and then just manually enter them. So that's always an option as well. But one of the things you don't want to do here with the manually entering your courses, is first of all, do not do your whole transcript that way. There's something wrong if your courses aren't showing up, okay? They should show up in that drop-down menu. You shouldn't have to do this for more than one or two classes. Most students don't have to use this option at all. Um, one of the things you don't want to do is put in non-A through G classes. Uh, and you'll see what A through G means. It's, you know, do you have your math? Do you have your English? Do you have your foreign language, your science? So those are the A through Gs. Um, so don't enter the non-academic courses. Don't enter PE. Don't enter health. Don't enter career planning coursework. Those actually go in the next section, in the activities and awards section, as weird as that feels, because they wouldn't be factored into your GPA because they would be considered non-academic courses. So that's just something important to know, because if you type your transcript in wrong, it's really, it takes a lot longer for the UCs to figure out what's actually happening, because you don't send them a real transcript. You only self-report until you have enrolled at the UC, then you send them a final transcript. So if then they get your transcript once you've enrolled and they see it's not matching up, then that can be a problem. So that's why it's so important to take care with this section and have your transcript right there. Okay, here's another example. You're in 12th grade, so you don't have grades yet, right? So you wanna put IP for in progress for the first semester and PL for planned for the second semester since you don't know your grades yet. Um, then you also may have a class that's only a semester long. So you might have American Democracy for second semester senior year and economics for first semester. Um, so then you wanna put no for the semester where you're not taking that class and put planned for the one where you're going to or in progress and no. Does that make sense? Okay, um, I'm realizing I'm super behind already, um, so I kind of want to get through the boring section and get to the good stuff. Um, so this part is important. You can put additional comments on here for the academic history section. If you had a lower grade, if you had a D um, or an F, and you want to explain that, this is where you can do that. If you maybe had to take um, a lot of days out of school because you had, um, a medical issue. You want to explain that here. So anything that might have affected your academic success, this is where you can explain that. So don't shy away from it. Um, and definitely use this space. Context is really important, right? They always want to know in which context did you achieve what you achieved. So if, they, if you don't tell them, they won't know. So definitely don't feel like, am I allowed to put this here? If you have something to say, just put it on there. They'll want to read it. They'll want to know about it. 
We also have this test scores section. Um, you can see they still have a spot for SAT and ACT, but again, they would not see the scores that you enter until after you've been admitted. They would only be using those for enrollment purposes into your courses after you've already taken your offer. So I just wanted to point that out, so don't, don't get weirded out that they're asking. You can just say, no, I didn't take it. I don't have any scores. I'm good. Um, okay. Let's talk about the activities and awards section. This is one of the really important sections. So you can choose from six different activity types and you have space for 20 activities on here. Uh, but don't worry, you're not, you're not expected to put 20 activities on there. Most students don't. Um, they just have that much space, especially if you want to add some academic classes or some awards, right? Um, sorry, some non-academic classes. So the UCs, they really care a lot more about depth of involvement than breadth of involvement. So use the descriptions on the activities and awards section to really show them the nuances of your involvement instead of worrying about not having enough activities. So let's see what these categories are. So these are the six categories, award or honor, educational preparation programs, extracurricular activity, other coursework, volunteer and community service, and work experience. So I have a question. What do you think counts as an activity? Like give me, can you guys give me some examples of activities that maybe you're involved in that you would want to put on here? At this point, participants volunteer different activities that they're involved in, such as volleyball, Boy Scouts, and a women's club. So you guys all mentioned really great ones. They're kind of the obvious ones, right? Athletics, clubs, and things with an organization like Boy Scouts, right? So those are great. You definitely want to put them on here. But there are other activities that you are allowed to put on here that some students miss out on putting on there. They just don't realize that they could be putting them on there. So if you have a family responsibility, if you take care of your sibling or your aunt or your grandma, you can put that on there. If you love drawing, but you just draw alone in your room, that's fine. You're an artist, right? Put that on there. Think about how many hours a week you do it. If you watched a lot of YouTube and taught yourself how to play the guitar, go ahead and put that on there, okay? If you babysit, a lot of students forget that they babysit. <laughs> that's work experience. You're responsible for other humans. You're getting paid for it. Put it on there, right? So. It's really important to think outside of the box and really just kind of look back and say, what do I do in a typical week? Like, what do I actually spend my time on? Because they want to see kind of how much time do you spend outside of school on other things? Because if you're busy, like 30 hours a week outside of school and you also have school, when do you sleep, right? So that really puts your grades into perspective. So you really want to make sure you're really thinking about what have I done ever since the summer before freshman year that I could be adding onto this. Um, now, if, you've, if you did something that started before freshman year and you did it for, let's say, six years, and then during freshman year you stopped doing it, in the description, put that you did it for six years. Because you can't put it in the years. You can't say when you started it. So it would look like, oh, I only did it you know, for a little while in freshman year. But if you put in a lot of work, like one of my students, he got um, a black belt um, in freshman year. So he put on there, you know, I worked six years towards this, and then I took my exam and got my first degree black belt. Um, and that gives them a lot of context, right, of longevity, of involvement, and things like that that they otherwise might not see. Okay. Here we have an example of what this looks like. So once you select your category, different fields open up. So it's not always going to be the same fields here, but I chose this one because it gives you the um, idea that it's not just about what you did, but they want to know the context again. So the name of the organization um, and then describing the organization. So if you said Boy Scouts, right, um, you would put 
Boy Scouts of America. And then here you would describe what they do and why they exist and what their purpose is and how they affect the community. And then over here, you would say what you did. So maybe you were working towards Eagle Scout. Maybe you're doing your community project within that, right? So you wanna get really specific. You want them to be able to like replicate your life basically by looking at your activities list. So really think of it like, okay, if someone wanted to be me and do the activity in the way that I am doing the activity, I have to put exactly what I'm doing. So try not to be too vague on this. Okay, let's look um, at an actual example. Okay, so this is an actual example from someone who interned with Strive to Learn, um, my company. Um, so they said, where did you work, Strive to Learn? Please briefly descri describe the company or organization where you worked. They do tutoring and help with college stuff. What was your job title? Intern. What were your job responsibilities? I helped them with anything that needed to be done. I interned for them for half a year and I liked the work a lot. Some things I did were helping around the office, cleaning the lobby and rooms, and putting pictures on social media. So what do you guys think of that one? What was good? What was a missed opportunity? What are some pros and cons of this one? What's vague? Give me an example of what's vague. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, so that part's a little short, right? Right here, like they, they have actually 250 characters, they only used 40 characters, they could have given them a little more context about what, what is this company where they're interning at. All right, I'll point some things out. Um, this first sentence tells me nothing. I help them with anything, I'm just gonna be really, um, I'm gonna tear this thing apart. Um, Great, you helped. I hope you did. You interned there, right? What else would you be doing? Um, I interned for them for half a year. Okay, we know because you're putting that on the application in a different spot. And I liked it. Okay, well, that's good. I I'm glad you liked it. Um, some things I did. Okay, I still haven't learned anything. Oh, finally, helping around the office. Okay, what does that mean? You already told you, told us you helped. I still don't know what you did, right? Um, cleaning the lobby and rooms. Ah, finally something specific. I can start replicating who you are and living your life and putting pictures on social media. What kind of pictures? Why? Like just for fun or like was that one of your responsibilities? I have a lot of questions for this person, right? So I'm impressed that they got an internship, that they did this stuff, but I'm also left with like, man, I feel like I could have learned so much more about this student, right? So I worked with the student and we worked on their activities and awards section. And here is the new version. Please briefly describe the company. Strive to Learn is a small woman-owned tutoring, test prep, and college consulting company. It has eight employees and serves students online and in person. They also have a pro bono side of the business to bring access to education to more students. I learned a lot more about where they are, right? Very specific. What was your job title? Now remember, before that, we had intern. We didn't really know what that meant, right? Here, the student now wrote intern and social media manager. Ah, wow, cool, that's awesome. What were the job responsibilities? Maintain professional cleanliness organization of office. Proctor practice tests, prepare testing materials, organize files. Support customer service, maintain client communication and scheduling, write and publish blog posts on the company blog, manage marketing and social media outreach campaigns, inform clients of changes in operations due to COVID-19 and they used almost all of their characters because they had 350. So you see those are not full sentences, right? That's totally fine. So you do not have to have full sentences. You really, I keep clicking the wrong button. You really want to 
have active verbs, maintain organization, proctor, practice, prepare, testing, support, customer service, right? So manage marketing, inform clients. We learn a lot more. We're like, wow, th this business like really gave the student a lot of leeway, right? Um, and we understand why, because hey, it's small and they only have eight employees. So probably everyone does everything, right? Um, and so, which is true. Um, and so, um, you know, here we are and we have understood a lot more about the student, about what they did, what they could do, how they've grown. And we also understand a little more what they value because they chose this company to work at. At this point, an audience member asks a question about whether or not they should type directly into the answer section on the application or type it in a separate document, copy and paste it into the application. So type it outside of it and then copy and paste it in. I've never tried to type straight into it because I highly recommend not typing straight into it unless of course if it's something small like this. But if you're doing a whole paragraph, do it outside of it. Do it in a Google Doc, do it in a Word Doc, you know, spell check it, <laughs> have someone else read it and then pop it in there. It should work. I've never heard of that before, but take my card and send me an email if that persists, please, <laughs> because it should, that is crazy. Um, I also, I'm gonna share with you guys like the UC help desk and things like that. You can call them and email them too if something like that is happening. But trying to copy and paste from an outside document is the first thing I would try. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, then there's a scholarships and programs section. You just check a bunch of boxes to say what applies to you. It's pretty quick. Um, and then we get to the personal insight section. So this I really want to spend some time on with you guys. Um, personal insight. So this is the essay section. I'm using quotations because the UC system doesn't like using the word essays. They're like, they are not essays. They say that a lot. <laughs> they really don't want you to take this section the same way that you would take a school essay, right? Um, and so why do they say that? Um, they say those are just responses to questions. You're not writing an essay. We are asking you a question. You're responding to it. So they really want to put your mind at ease so that you don't think, oh my God, I have all these essays to write. Instead, you're just answering some questions. So they don't expect a grand like hook. They don't need a five paragraph structure. Um, they don't need a fleshed out conclusion. And they don't want you to show them your work. So there's a prompt about creativity. Do not put your poem in there. You can write about how much you like poetry and why it's a creative thing that you do and, and how it's made you grow. That's great, but don't actually put your poem in there. They're very clear that they don't want that, which is sad because I'm sure some of you guys write awesome poetry. Um, okay, so they really want you to focus in depth on actually answering the question. So let's take a look here at what these questions are. So there are eight personal insight questions. You don't have to answer eight. You just choose four. So it's nice because you can choose, right? Some of them you might be like, I have no idea what I would write for that one. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to write anything for that one. You just choose four of the eight. You should have a minimum of 250 words in your response and a maximum of 350 words. So 300 is kind of the sweet spot right there. Um, and this is a very important link because on the actual application, they only give you the question, but at this link, and again, you'll get the slide so you can actually click on it. They give you things to consider. So I added that to the following slides. So let's talk about the actual prompts. So I'm going to read all eight just so that you all know what they are. Um, actually, I won't read them. Can someone read this one out loud? 
At this point, an audience member reads the first PIQ. Describe an example of your leadership experience in which you have positively influenced others, helped resolve disputes, or contributed to group efforts over time. Thank you so much. Great. So that can give you a lot of ideas, right? Um, you guys mentioned athletics. Maybe you have helped lead your team in some way. Maybe you're a team captain. Maybe you're not, but still helped lead. Those are things you can talk about, right? But some students are like, well, after a paragraph or so, I don't know, what else should I write about? And here are the things to consider. It, they're really great. A leadership role can mean more than just a title. It can mean being mentor to others, acting as the person in charge of a specific task, or taking the lead role in organizing an event or project. Think about what you accomplished and what you learned from the experience. What were your responsibilities? And it doesn't end there, they keep going. Did you lead a team? Did your experience change your perspective on leading others? Did you help to resolve an important dispute at your school, church, in your community, or at an organization? And your leadership role doesn't necessarily have to be limited to school activities. For example, do you help out or take care of your family? Okay, so many more ideas, right? So, such great questions. So they really help you, these things to consider, really help you figure out how deep can I go? Where can I take this, right? Well, maybe, oh, maybe this reminded me of a different way that I'm a leader that maybe is more meaningful to me that I didn't realize I could talk about because maybe there's no official title that comes with it. Um, so these are really important, and they're not, the things to consider are not on the actual application. They're just on their website. I don't know why. I think it's stupid. <laughs> I wish that it were on the actual application, but that's why I always say grab your personal insight questions and the things to consider. Throw them all in a Word doc. Start writing your non-essays. Start writing your responses, and then once you're done with them, just pop them in the app. Don't try to write them inside the app. So that's one of the ones you can choose. Here we have another one. Can someone else read this one, please? Every person has a creative side, and it can be expressed in many ways. Problem solving, original and innovative thinking, and artistically, to name a few. Describe how you expressed your creative side. Awesome, thank you. So this is the one I gave an example for. There are also wonderful things to consider. We don't have enough time to read through all of them, but you'll get the slides. Um, okay, third prompt. What would you say is your greatest talent or skill? How have you developed and demonstrated that talent over time? Awesome, thank you. I just wanna make sure you all know all of the prompts that would be possible. Fourth prompt. Describe how you have taken advantage of a significant educational opportunity or worked to overcome an educational barrier you have faced. Thank you. And again, we have our things to consider. If you just Google UC Personal Insight questions, you'll get there immediately. Okay, fifth one. Describe the most significant challenge you have faced and the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. How has this challenge affected your academic achievement? So you guys see that's the first question that's about a challenge, right? So they're really just trying to get to know the context and nuance of your life. You don't have to have had a giant challenge to be able to write successful um, responses. But if you did have a challenge, this is where you can write about it. Okay, and we have three more to go. Who wants to read this one? Think about an academic subject that inspires you. Describe how you have furthered this interest inside and or outside of the classroom. Okay, and number seven. What have you done to make your school or community a better place? Great. That is so open-ended, right? So for that one especially, the things to consider are super helpful. Okay, last one. I'll read it. Beyond what has already been shared in your application, what do you believe makes you stand out as a strong candidate for admissions to the University of California? That one's a tough one. 
Okay, so those are your eight personal insight questions. So let's talk about some do's and don'ts. How should you write these responses? Okay, we're gonna talk about the do's first. Be thorough, yeah? Answer your questions thoroughly. And thorough means tell us what you did and give specific examples. This is a lesson we learned in the activities section, right? Do the same thing here. Just here you have more space to really go in depth, right? So again, don't assume that the reader knows what you did. They don't know anything that you didn't tell them. So talk about yourself, really do. This is about you. This is your personal and insight question, right? So it needs to be personal and you have to have insight. So focus also on the impact that you, this experience had on your own life and or on the life of others. So that's also really important. Think about what you learned and share that with the reader. Be vulnerable, these should be personal. It's the P in PIQ is the personal, right? So introduce some vulnerability there. Also make sure that your core values shine through. Um, if you don't know what I mean with that, I recommend, I didn't put it on the slide, but Google College Essay Guy Values Exercise, it will help you with this, figuring out what are your core values and how can you show them in different aspects across your, across your application. Also give that context. We already, I already mentioned, you know, the reader doesn't know your life. So connect those, those dots. Explain to the reader why something is meaningful to you. Explain how things are connected and the importance they have in your life. So really make it easy for the reader to really understand what you're talking about and to connect with you. Um, also think of the PIQs as interview questions and respond to them like you would in an interview. They can't interview people, right? The UCs don't interview. So this is one of the things I hear from the admissions reps constantly. They're like, this is your interview, right? So um, think of like the, the six W's, like who, what, when, where, and why. And also reflect, why should we care? If I'm reading this, why should I care that you did this or that it mattered to you? Like really make me care about it, right? Share that part of you that cares about this experience. Um, tell us why it matters and also, Make sure to focus on content, um, not style. So focus a lot more on content, right? They said it's not an essay. It doesn't have to be this glorious piece of writing. Um, okay, for the focus on growth part, I really like to think, um, how are you different now because you've had this experience versus who would you be or what would you be like if you hadn't had this experience? That's a good way to start thinking about that a little bit. Okay, let's talk about what not to do. Don't tell us a story. They said it's not an essay, we don't want an essay, so don't tell us a story. Don't use literary language. They repeat over and over again, we don't need a hook. We just want you to start answering the question. Um, also, don't include quotes, lyrics, or any words that aren't your own. You don't need to. Don't define a term. Don't start by defining a term. Everyone else also knows the definition of that term. They have, they have Webster Merriam Dictionary, you know, they can look it up. So use your own words. They want to hear from you. You don't have a lot of space. 350 words is not a lot. It's two big paragraphs or three small paragraphs, right? It's this much single spaced. It is not a lot. Um, and so really make sure that you're using your own words and not wasting them on telling stories about other people for the majority of your response. Um, don't try to entertain or provoke the reader. Um, and I, I know I said that 
don't tell a story or use literary language. This is straight from the mouth of these admissions reps. Um, but don't forget to have great grammar. Yeah? If your grammar is all over the place and you're repeating words all the time, then we're actually going to disconnect from you a little bit. So make sure your language use is top notch, um, but you don't have to get very flowery with it, if that makes sense. It's kind of th that distinction there. Okay. Um, don't give definitions of terms. I already said that. Don't talk about stuff that happened prior to high school. They really want recent things. I would discourage you from writing about something that started and ended in ninth grade or 10th grade. Now, if, you, if it's something that persisted throughout and you know, it's, it was a big thing in your life and, and happened for a couple years, that's great, that's fine. Um, but I had a student who talked in the creativity essay about this one project he did this one day in ninth grade. And I was like, I just, they're just not gonna care. They want to know about something you did more recently if possible, right? Um, because you are going to their campus now, not three years ago, right? You're gonna go there after you graduate 12th grade. So what you did in ninth grade may not have much to do if you only did it for one day, that one time, with what you are going to do on their campus. So they'd like things to be more recent. I already said don't assume anything about the reader. Um, and don't repeat your content across several PIQ responses. Now, there's one caveat to that. You can write about the same experience more than once, um, but for, for two different prompts, but then you really wanna make sure you're highlighting very, very different aspects of those experiences and showing different values. So an example is, um, you know, maybe you're the captain of the soccer team um, and you wanted to write the leadership prompt about that. That's great, go ahead. And then maybe you and your soccer team, um, you do a lot of volunteering, maybe you put on a summer camp for kids so you wanted to talk about that in the how to make your community a better place prompt. That's okay, but keep them separate. Don't talk about the leadership as a captain if you're gonna talk about the summer program, then instead focus on how you made the community a better place. Does that make sense? So you can reuse, but I would urge you not to because you probably have something else you could share with them. And the more you can share with them about who you are and what your life is like, the better. Okay. Also, don't write about a specific campus that you want to attend since they all receive the same essays. So don't say, UCLA is my top choice, and then send that to Berkeley. Um, okay, so let's look at a PIQ sample response. This is a first draft. Um, this is the creativity prompt. I'm just going to read it out loud real quick. Music has always been an important staple in my life. I grew up with the melodies of indie alternative rock glued to my brain. However, it all really started one autumn day when I was about tw 12 years old. It was the afternoon, and like any other day, I sat idly at my desk doing monotonous homework. After getting off early from work that night, my dad ambled into my room and casually handed me a copy of the White Stripes' final studio album, Icky Thumb. Although my parents always played music for us in the house, it was a rare occasion that I was given a specific piece to listen to. That album forever changed my life. Its primal rhythm, squealing guitars, and frenzied vocals fueled a profound appreciation for all things music, and in particular, rock and roll. As my love for music progressed, so did my desire to make it. I knew I needed something to let out all of that teenage angst, and playing the flute in my middle school band simply wasn't cutting it. When I tore open the wrapping paper to my new acoustic guitar on Christmas Day, my 13-year-old self could hardly believe my eyes. Since that fateful day, I have played almost every day. 
As I learned more and more, the guitar served as an emotional outlet for when it felt so weird to talk to others. As I got more into the blues, I discovered how music can be used as a therapeutic tool to better oneself. Being creative heals the soul. These days, it's a rare occasion if I'm not playing at least one instrument for an hour or more a day. I want to master anything I can create music with, whether it be a guitar, bass, drums, synthesizer, you name it. I believe music is such a great passion because there are endless opportunities. With one album, you could change pop culture forever. With one song, you could educate the public. With one chord, you could change everything. So you can see it's a first draft, right? Pretty decent, pretty decent first draft. Um, what are some of the things they're doing well and other things that they're doing that would be on the don't do that column? At this point, someone in the audience says, they're just telling a story. Mm -hmm. And when is the story taking place, the majority of it? 12 and 13, right? So they're 12 here, and they're 13 here. And that is the majority of the essay, right? Even though the student writing this is 17. And I'm like, oh, that's great that that's how your love for music started. But I want to know now, what, what are you doing with your creativity? So there's a lot of backstory and not that much of what he's actually doing. And remember, they want you to answer the question. They're like, please answer the question. The question is, how do you express your creative side? If I didn't know that was the question, I would think, how did you come to love music? Right? So that's a great way to check, are you doing, are you writing what you want to write? Is to give someone who doesn't know the prompt your essay, or essay, your response, and say, what do you think my prompt was? And if they tell you something completely different, then you know, okay, I have to scrap part of this and start rewriting it. Yeah? So let's see what this student ended up doing. So this is the final draft. He did get in to the UC system and is now attending UC Santa Cruz for engineering, I believe. Growing up, music has always been an important staple in my life. When my dad casually handed me a copy of the White Stripes final studio al album, Icky Thump, my perception of music changed forever. Its primal rhythm, squealing guitars, and frenzied vocals fueled a profound appreciation for all things music, and in particular, rock and roll. So I want you guys to notice, we just did in four lines, what over here took us till down here, right? Oh, sorry, till here. So. It's a lot quicker. We still get the backstory so that we kind of have that setting, right? Because you also don't want to assume the reader knows anything. So we still get that backstory, but we get put there quickly. We know the context now, because a little context is necessary, right? As my love for music progressed, so did my desire to make it. I knew I needed to let out all of my teenage angst, and playing the flute in my middle school band simply wasn't cutting it. In seventh grade, I got my first guitar, and I've played it almost every day since. That was the entire second paragraph before, right? So now we're only into the essay about a third, and now we get to talk about what he does now with his love for music. The guitar served as an emotional outlet for when it felt so weird to talk to others. I played what I felt, and as I got more into the blues, I discovered how I can use songwriting as a therapeutic tool to better myself. I sang about everything that made me feel sad, lonely, or stressed. In turn, my songwriting helped me vocalize my problems. I could address my issues head on because they no longer felt so abstract. We have a lot of growth here, right? He's learning things, he's growing, he's also reflecting and showing a lot of insight. And that word is so important. It's the personal insight questions. He's having insights about himself and about how he can better himself too, right? 
So we want to see that window into your soul, right? You need to tell us what are those realizations that you've gotten about yourself or about the world. To me, creativity means exploring concepts from multiple angles. He's very clearly addressing the prompt here, right? Because the prompt was, how do you express yourself creat creatively? And he's literally saying it. So that's what they mean when they're like, you can just say it, right? Like you can actually just answer the question. So to me, creativity means exploring concepts from multiple angles. Songwriting makes it less awkward to articulate my problems to others because I can see them from an outside point of view. My value of creativity in music also carries over into my academics. Remember I said you need to say, like, we need to know why should I care as the reader? Now we're getting to some really good stuff. Oh, it carries over to other things. It's not just self-contained in the music, right? There's a bigger kind of purpose behind this. In class, I like to try problems in new ways by utilizing different techniques to solve them. I'll constantly stay after class just so I can ask the teacher if I can apply my own logic to an example. When approaching a distance problem in AP Physics C, most students would use Newton's conventional laws of motion. However, I try to be creative and find another perspective by solving with the law of conservation of energy. Very specific example. I don't know what either ones of those are. I'm not a physics person. Um, but now I can see, wow, like there's a lot of insight, there's a lot of growth. Um, I can really see um, how, not just that he has creativity, but how he expresses it, not only in music or emotionally, but also in academics. That's a pretty cool parallel to draw that was kind of unexpected. Um, and so I've learned a lot more about this student and how versatile he is and how much insight he has. Does that make, a, does that make sense? Why this one was a successful one versus the first draft needed more work? Okay, cool, awesome. Thank you guys, by the way, for your patience and like actually um, listening to all of this. So some final tips um, for the PIQs. Um, really look at those things to consider, right? That's why I put them on the slides. They're really important. Um, that's what helped that student really dig deeper into that creativity. Because one of the things to consider is, do these skills overlap into any other areas? He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of do that in physics, right? Um, so really think about that. Treat it like a recipe for a cake. It's not the blog post that comes before the recipe where you learn all the backstory. It's the recipe. You know what to put in it and how to do it. So you get that context, but you could replicate it, right? So that's kind of similar to what I said about the activities section. And then talk about things that are personal to you. Like if it matters to you, then they want to know about it. Don't think, what do they want to hear? Really look at your life and think about what's important to you in your life. What do you want to share with them? That's the part, those are the essays or the, the responses that are going to be really good and those are the responses they want to see. If you pick question eight, the is there anything else that you want to highlight about why you would be a great applicant, you have to write about something you haven't written yet. Don't repeat stuff. I get students picking that prompt and then talking about something they've already written um, or just reiterating their activities list and you're wasting your space, right? So if you pick that one, which can be a tricky one to pick, really make sure you have something to write about that isn't really anywhere else. And also don't forget what I said in the very beginning. You have one reader who's reading your entire application all the way through. So that reader knows everything on your application. That reader knows all of the activities you put in the activities section. That reader knows your transcript, your GPA, all of these things, right? So you don't have to duplicate information anywhere. Of course, you can write your PIQ about something that's on your activities list. Highly likely that you will, right? Because that's your life. But you need to know, they already know what's on your activities list. So go deeper than that, yeah? Go further than that and really show that insight and growth. Um, 
One way to get started if you're kind of stuck and you're like, er, I don't really know, is just record yourself answering the question verbally. So actually treat it like an interview, like I was saying, and then transcribe what you said and figure the essay out from there. You may come up with some really good stuff just by talking out loud about it. And you can do that with a friend. Just pair up and record each other and then see what you come up with there. Okay. Um, you also have an additional comment section, um, which is really great to use um, if there's any context that is nowhere else on your application. So once you know what you're writing your PIQ responses about, um, if there's something else that has affected you or impacted you with COVID, uh, the pandemic, a lot of people's lives were impacted. Maybe there's something you want to share, um, any, uh, anything else, this is where you want to put it. Um, so if you're not sure if you are allowed to put it, just put it on there. You are. Um, Okay, I'm going to skip this, but it is there um, for you guys to look at in the slides, just kind of some in information about finances. Um, there are great help articles on the UC app website, and this is how you can contact UC directly. Um, this is a link to the free guide um, to the personal insight questions and UC activities list by the College Essay Guy. Really great resource, completely free and really awesome. And then also our team is here to help. Um, we do sessions one-on-one -on -one with students um, and we have a free consultation process and things like that. So um, just know that if you, sorry, if you need any help with anything, um, we are here to help out and my card is up there for, you, for the email. Um, so thank you so much for listening to me tonight. Um, I know it's a little late, so thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. As we're launching this podcast, we'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments, or DM us on Instagram at Strive to Learn Tutoring. Get the latest updates in the college admissions world, and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.